Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Romans. Today is episode 511. We're looking at Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Before we read the passage, though, let's talk a little bit about Romans. We're starting this new book of the Bible, Romans. This is the biggest, longest of Paul's letters, and it's written to the church in Rome. Now, we are going through Paul's letters chronologically. We went through the book of Acts, and now we're kind of following what we saw in Paul's life in Acts, but we're doing it chronologically of the letters he wrote. He went on his first missionary journey, and he went to Galatia during that journey, among other places. Then following the first missionary journey, he gets wind of a trouble in Galatia, and that's where he wrote the book Galatians. Then he went on his second missionary journey, and while he was on his second missionary journey, he founded the church in Corinth, spent 18 months in Corinth, and while he was there, he wrote 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. Then, about five years later, on his third missionary journey, he spent a considerable amount of time in Ephesus, and while he was in Ephesus, he wrote 1 Corinthians. Then he left Ephesus and went to Macedonia, where he wrote 2 Corinthians. And that's what we just finished the last time was 2 Corinthians. Paul was in Macedonia. Well, as he continued on his third missionary journey, he went down to Corinth and spent about three months there. While he was there, he wrote Romans. And that's what we're starting today. Romans, a letter to the church in Rome. Now, it's probably around 57 AD. It'd be the time frame he's writing this. Paul wants to go to Rome. We read about that in the book of Acts. He says he wants to go to Rome. He says in his letter to the Roman church, he wants to go to Rome. So that's his intention is that he's going to deal with the collection for the poor people in Jerusalem, accompany that collection back to Jerusalem, then go to Rome, then go quite the way he anticipates, but that's his idea. Romans is, well, like I said, it's the longest of his letters. It's 16 chapters, and we're going to take a while to go through it. Romans is a very theological letter. It's uh, well, just laying out the essence of the gospel and how to live in, in light of what the gospel is all about. So looking at it, I think we're breaking it up into 59 pieces. So we'll, uh, we'll spend a, a fair amount of time in Romans, but we'll, we'll take our time, get what we can out of it. Now, why is Romans the first of Paul's letters in the Bible? If we've already gone through Galatians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, well, remember we talked about this uh, when we started this, but Paul wrote 13 letters that we have. Nine of them are to churches and four of them are to people. And the way they're arranged in the Bible, the nine to the churches are first, then the four to the people are after that. And they're arranged in the Bible based on length. Romans is the biggest, so it's first. And that's the way they're arranged. They're not chronological. They don't pretend to be. They're just starting from biggest to smallest, churches, then people. So we are jumping all around through that. If you're looking in the book of Acts, trying to align this, we're at the very beginning of chapter 20 of Acts, where Paul leaves Macedonia and says he went to Greece. Well, Macedonia is northern Greece, and by he just says Greece, he means southern Greece, Achaia, 
That's where Corinth is, and he spent three months there, and that's where he is in the book of Acts. Now, one of the things Paul was criticizing the super apostles about in 2 Corinthians was that they were basically poaching in his territory. That is, he's the apostle there for Corinth, and these guys should be trying to guide this church because they've already got somebody guiding them. And Paul, even in his letter to Romans, says that's inappropriate to be going and working in an area where an apostle has already been working. So what about Rome? Paul didn't found the church in Rome. Tradition says Peter founded the church in Rome, but that probably doesn't line up well with historical things that we know. So Peter probably didn't found the church in Rome. So where did it come from? Well, the best guess is, now remember, we don't know exactly, but the best guess is that basically it's people who were already believers went to Rome and they got together and that's where the Church of Rome came from. When the persecution started against the believers in Jerusalem, we saw that back in Acts, and that's where the gospel first spread away from Jerusalem, some people probably went to Rome. And just like the church in Antioch wasn't really founded by anyone, it was based on believers who left Jerusalem and ended up there. And that was the formation of the church. That's probably what happened in Rome, was it was just people who were already believers went there, got together, started worshiping, and others came to faith in Christ. So Paul wants to go to Rome, because Rome is the capital of the empire, the most important city in the world at the time. And if you want the gospel to spread, that would be the place to do it. And that is Paul's mode, is he wants to go to the major population centers, the major commerce centers, to get churches there so that people traveling through can hear the gospel. Let's dive into Romans. And today we're looking at chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Let's read the passage. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh, and was appointed to be the powerful Son of God according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints. Grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is all pretty straightforward, no real hidden secrets here, but some good things to review. He begins identifying himself in verse 1, Paul, servant of Christ Jesus. He identifies himself here as a servant. This goes along with some of the Old Testament talk of people being a servant of God, like Moses was identified as a servant of God. But he says a servant of Christ Jesus rather than a servant of God. Interesting thing here, Paul says Christ Jesus. Well, then down in verse 3 and again in verse 6, he says Jesus Christ. So is there a difference? Why in some places we see it Christ Jesus, some places we see it Jesus Christ? However, let's look for a pure translation. Christ Jesus would be the Messiah, Jesus, where Jesus Christ would be Jesus, the Messiah. 
So it's just a matter of which one you want to emphasize. Are you using Messiah or Jesus as the object and then Messiah or Jesus as the modifier? So it's used either way. But interestingly enough, Paul uses it mostly Christ Jesus. In fact, Christ Jesus versus Jesus Christ in Paul's writings, 80 times he uses Christ Jesus. Only 25 times Jesus Christ. Now, the passage we're looking at today, Christ Jesus once and Jesus Christ twice. But in the New Testament, other than Paul, it's the opposite. Only seven times is Christ Jesus used, where 47 times Jesus Christ is used. Now, what do we make of that? Nothing. It's just a style of writing, personal preference. And it's just the way Paul writes. If you were just going to use one word, would you use the word Jesus? Or would you use the word Christ? And then the other word would just be the modifier to that. So back to verse 1. Paul, servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Paul's identifying himself here. He's a servant of Christ, and he's been called by God as an apostle. Now, apostles used in a variety of ways. The word literally just means messenger or one sent. And Paul uses it in two different ways either just to describe basically the missionaries, the ones who have been sent with the gospel. He also uses it as a title, as an office. That is, those who were specifically appointed by Jesus Christ to be the ones to take the gospel and be the founders of the church. I think he's used it in the, the second sense here, as he's been called to be an apostle, personally commissioned by Jesus Christ to do this task. So, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. So, set apart, he is specifically assigned to take the gospel. Now, the book of Romans is about the gospel, but he doesn't use the word all that often. In fact, there's 11 times he uses the word either gospel or preach the gospel as a single word, as a verb. And of, of those 11, eight of them are in this introduction and then the conclusion. So in the body of the letter, he only uses the word three times, but it, the book is all about the gospel. It is it's explaining the gospel. Verse 2, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. He's talking about the gospel was promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Now, the Holy Scriptures, he means the Old Testament. Remember, the New Testament doesn't exist yet. He's writing the New Testament. So the scriptures, the Holy Scriptures, are the Old Testament. And who are the ones who wrote the Old Testament? The prophets. And so they're the ones who've promised this. And he's just talking about the Old Testament prophecies about the coming of the Savior. Continues in verse 3. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who is a descendant of David according to the flesh, and was appointed to be the powerful Son of God, according to the Spirit of Holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. There's a lot of Old Testament language in the book of Romans. And there's debate. Who is the audience that Paul's writing to? Is it primarily Jewish people or Gentiles? And does it even matter? Well, I think it's a mix myself, but a lot of people think it's primarily a Gentile audience. It is non-Jews. So why does Paul mention the Old Testament so often if it's primarily 
Gentiles with a bunch of Jews mixed in. Well, how do you view the Old Testament? If you grow up Jewish, you have a high regard for the Old Testament. You already view that as the Word of God. So you use the Old Testament to help somebody come to faith in Christ, showing that the Old Testament points to Christ. However, if you're a Gentile and have no background in Judaism, the Old Testament doesn't mean anything. However, if you've already come to faith as a follower of Christ, then the Old Testament does mean something. And so the Old Testament can either point to someone to Jesus, or Jesus can point somebody to the Old Testament. And Paul's writing to a church, to Christians. And although they may be Gentiles, they would still now view the Old Testament as the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God. Some of these Gentiles maybe have been God-fearers, that is, Gentiles who practiced Judaism without fully becoming Jewish. But there's still some Jews there. Now remember, we went through the book of Acts on the second missionary journey when Paul was in Corinth. He ran into Aquila and Priscilla, said they were Jews from Rome, but had left Rome when Claudius kicked all the Jews out of Rome. The text of Acts assumes that they're already believers in Christ, so they're Jewish Christians when they encounter Paul in Corinth. So there's, at that time, that's probably around 51 AD, so there were already believers in Rome. But the Jews were kicked out, so a lot of the Gentile believers in Christ probably didn't have to leave when the Jews left. Now, many of the Jews may have come back later, but the church then probably was primarily Gentiles. Interestingly, the uh, a historian named Swithones, who lived like uh, 69 to 122 AD, wrote uh, biographies of some of the emperors. One of them was the life of Claudius, who was the emperor who kicked all the Jews out of Rome in 49 AD. In his life of Claudius, he talked about since the Jews constantly made disturbances at the instigation of Crestus, he had made them leave then. Most historians believe that Crestus is probably uh, basically a misspelling of Christos, which is Greek for Christ. And rather than it's a person who caused this fighting amongst the Jews, it was a fight over whether Jesus was the Christos or not. And since they were having such a, well, they were being so unruly, Claudius said, well, okay, the, the Jews got to leave town. They're, they're acting up too much. That would leave just the Gentile believers there in Rome. So it's probably primarily a Gentile audience that Paul is speaking to. But they have a high regard for the Old Testament. And so when he talks about Jesus being the son, the descendant of David, the son of God in the flesh, but also in the spirit and resurrected. So he's talking there about Jesus as a man and Jesus as God. Verse 5. Through him we receive grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. So here's talking about his call to be an apostle, to take the gospel to the Gentiles and to all the Gentiles, but particularly you guys there in Rome. He wraps it up here in verse 7. 
to all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. A pretty standard introduction here and this uh, last part in verse 7. To all in Rome, loved by God, called as saints. Remember how we define saints. Saints comes is the plural word holy. So it's to the holies. In other words, the holy ones. And who are the holy ones? Those who have been forgiven of their sins through the blood of Christ have been adopted by God. That is, believers. So saints are just Christians, followers of Christ. Well, this begins the introduction. Actually, the introduction goes through about verse 17. So thanks for joining me, and join me again next time as we continue working through Romans.